Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now starting an hour earlier. Welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Hey everybody, Ballsy in the big chair. My buddy Blaine Weiland back at the corner of 12th and Rose in Regina. The show's brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. And you can always text us at 936-6262. That's powered by the Capital Auto Group. We start the show with a pick six. And it is picked off by Nick Marshall. It's Sorensen to the house. A pick six. Time now for another pick six with Ballsy and friends as they give their take on six sports topics of the day. Number one of the pick six. The Rough Riders are here in Winnipeg getting set for the Labor Day rematch. And no, we're not referring it to that other thing it's been called for a, a few years now. Listen, it's it's. I guess it was funny at the time. Troy Westwood, the bozo kicker, made a comment about the Rider fans being a bunch of banjo-picking inbreds. And so I think it's time to move off that. Besides, the trophy that they parade around if and when they win we never get when we win so why why would we buy into that number two why would you support something that actually makes fun of you it's stupid it's stupid so it's the labor day rematch and in this labor day rematch tackle colin kelly and safety Jaden dalkey have knee injuries guard evan johnson has a foot injury so the rough riders will be up against it in terms of the depth chart. CFL and CFLPA issued a joint statement in regards to air quality affecting games going forward. An independent third party will be brought in to test air quality and provide measurements in real time. Any measurement above an air quality index of seven will prevent or halt play. TSN's Glenn Suter joined me to talk about that yesterday. Oh, listen, it'll be very expensive if a game has to be canceled and rescheduled. It'll be very expensive. Like, um, you know, and that's that's something that everybody wants to avoid. Uh, there, there's got to be limits, though. There is a safety issue. I mean, there's a, a point where uh, you can't you shouldn't go outside. I mean, just citizens alone. Mm. And it's not just play. It's not just players. Oh, Michael, it's a fan. Yeah, that's true. A fan sitting in the building can't be exposed to a certain level either so um you know i in the big big picture and i you know we never get political i'd love to hear one government official say we are working on building a huge manufacturing plant in canada to put billions of dollars into building water bombers so we are prepared for this as as life goes on here because it's not going away and have like selling them to the states for millions and creating thousands and thousands of jobs 
I'd love to hear one politician have some kind of plan for this in the future. Number two in the pick six, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have officially placed receiver Duke Williams on the six-game injured list. Ahead of today's clash with the Red Blacks, the 30-year-old suffered an ankle injury in the third quarter of Hamilton's 41-28 loss to the Argos, but uh, was the source of controversy this week after a cryptic tweet suggested his time with the Tabbies could be coming to an end. When publicly asked about the issue this week, the coach, Orlando Steinauer, said only that Williams wouldn't play this week and his future would be addressed at another time. Oh, yeah. Color me shocked if this is another character issue with Duke. Listen, if people show you who they are, believe them. Number three in the pick six, the best quarterback in the NFL is Patrick Mahomes. But we saw last night how average this team is without tight end Travis Kelsey. They have zero receivers that scare anybody, and it looks like they have trouble catching the ball. Also, people that call the CFL Bush League need to watch that game again. They let the Kansas City right tackle line up illegally, like almost like he was a wing tight end the entire game. They let him do that so he could have a jump on Lions defensive end Hayden Hutchinson, who was kicking his butt all game. It was gross, man. Uh, Between that and CFL refs letting receivers run offside on the waggle, I asked these two questions. Who the hell would want to play defense in pro football now? And why do we even have defense? What a joke. Number four in the pick six. The richest quarterback in NFL history is now the Cincinnati Bengals' Joe Burrow, agreeing to a five-year, $275 million contract extension with $219 million guaranteed. He'll earn $55 million a season. He's probably the second-best quarterback in the NFL when you factor in intangibles, although I still think Justin Herbert's better. But Joe Burrow gives the Bengals a chip, a chair, and a chance every week. Number five in the pick six, your 0-1 U of R Rams are in Saskatoon tonight to face the 1-0 Huskies. It's the homecoming game for the U of S, so the Rams know they're walking into a hornet's nest. Here's running backs coach Dwayne Mason. If you want to make the analogy between the, the Labor Day Classic and this game for us, anytime we play up there early in the year, uh, especially this is their first game uh, since school's gone back in, they're treating it as a homecoming game. You've played up there in some pretty good crowds, pretty good environments. There will be probably, you know, I would guess seven, seven to 10,000 people there. Uh, many of them will be intoxicated, yelling at us. <laughs> It'll be good. Like, I, that's that's what you live for. Those games are great. And uh, our guys will be fired up and and uh, it'll be a good atmosphere to play. In. So basically what you're telling me is Saskatoon for one day is going to be Winnipeg. <laughs> you said that, not me. Just before our final thought here in the pick six, our coverage of that Rams game begins right here at 6.30 with Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall kickoff around 7 at Griffith Stadium. That's always a fun one. And finally, the Sens' Jake Sanderson signed an eight-year, $64.5 million extension with the team this week. He's going to be a great anchor defenseman for the team in our nation's capital, but that much money? After 77 games? That's crazy. Coming up on the other side. We're a little late with this, but he was on holidays. It's Huey's Heroes and Zeros on 620 CKRM, the sports cage. Brought to you by Nelson Holmes. I'm Blaine Wallen inside of the Sports Cage studio with your sports ticker. And, of course, it's a busy weekend of football action here on 620 CKRM. We'll start things off tonight 
at 7 o'clock. Pre-game show at 6.30. It's the University of Regina Rams down the highway on number 11. As they're going to take on the University of Saskatchewan Huskies, Saskatchewan Huskies at Griffith Stadium in the Huskies home opener. As the Rams are coming off a tough loss against UBC. While last week, the Huskies came from behind to defeat the University of Manitoba Bisons. Of course, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders will take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers tomorrow in the Labor Day rematch. As the opening kickoffs at 2 o'clock. Pre-game coverage here on 620 CKRM begins at 11 o'clock with countdown to kickoff. The Regina Pats kick off the preseason tonight at the Brand Center. They'll score off with the Brandon Wheat Kings opening face-off at 7 o'clock. The two teams will meet tomorrow night in Brandon. And earlier today, the FIBA World Cup. The semifinals were held, and Canada's going to meet USA in the next matchup, but it's not going to be for the gold and silver medal. Both teams were defeated in action earlier today. Canada lost to Serbia 95-86, while Germany defeated the Americans 113-111. Canada still could get their most significant medal in international play since picking up a silver medal back in the 1936 Berlin Olympics. It's one of the teams our whole country rallies around. The chase for the championship is on. Time for today's Blue Jays reports on the Sports Cage. Well, the Toronto Blue Jays continue to battle the Texas Rangers, the Seattle Mariners, and even the Houston Astros, depending on what day of the week it is, for an AL wildcard spot. Ben Wagner, who's the radio voice of the Blue Jays, joins us each week. And and I asked him about kind of a missed opportunity by the team after dropping one in Oakland. But John Schneider, I read the quote after the ballgame, said, you know what, you win a series, you're still in really good position. Your percentage points within a playoff spot, now you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching. And if, you know, if the Astros continue to play the way that the Astros are, plus the, the Rangers are sliding, Blue Jays feel like they're in a really good position. Yeah, I think uh, the last 12, I counted quickly, they were 7-5 and five after today's loss. But you've got the Royals on deck and then a big one versus the Rangers. So everything is still in your hands right now. Yeah, you know, you know what? But it's, and I and I see that I, I looked and I identified this this Rangers series as being so important. But if you're a really good team, if you're a really like elite team that should contend, where people forecasted you to be, you look at series and you take advantage in series. And mm-hmm. the Blue Jays found themselves in this light pocket: Washington Nationals, Colorado Rockies, Oakland Athletics three of the worst pitching staffs in the big leagues. And you've got the fourth worst of this this little pocket as well. All in a row. This never happens. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Friday shows brought to you by Nelson Homes, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. You don't want to cook and fall. You want to go home and watch football, pick up a pizza from Western Pizza and go do that. I'm joined by our betting expert in the NFL, Andy McNamara. How are you today, Andy? Oh, it's football season, Paul. I'm, I'm good. How are you? Christmas 2.0. Ooh. Yeah, hold on here. I'm going to redo that part. Man, Christmas kicked off yesterday. The Kansas City Chiefs, Detroit Lions. So we're into it now. Um, so let's talk about the weekend ahead. Sunday football. Uh, there's some interesting matchups here. I like the Cincinnati Cleveland right off the get go. Yeah, your two and a half point favorites are the Bengals, a road favorite in Cleveland. And the real question is, is Joe Burrow going to be 
fully ready after that calf injury. He's definitely going to play. He's been cleared. But last year he missed time with the appendectomy and got off to a slow start. The Browns' defense is ballsy, I'm telling you, and this isn't me just being a Browns mm. fan. It's ferocious. The Darius Smith and Miles Garrett bookend. You got some deep safeties. You got a nice chunk in the middle, and you got some linebackers that can get after the QB too. I think the Browns cover this. I think a straight up win. You go Cleveland. What about the Packers at the Bears? Now a lot's expected of the Bears and Fields because he's got more weapons, and nobody knows what to expect from Jordan Love. Yeah, I am. Oh, I have never been a Jordan Love fan. Not in college. I hated the draft pick. It in part has helped what drove Aaron Rodgers out instead of using a weapon when you had your Super Bowl window open. And, and they blew it. Um, I think that lucky run of having Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back to back has come to an end. Get ready to suck, Packers fans. Okay, it's over. And I think the Bears take it at home. How do you feel about this one? Saints and Titans. I actually think New Orleans wins that pathetic division. Derek Carr is the best quarterback in that division, and I'm not sure what to make of the Titans. I know they got Hopkins at receiver, but I'm not sure what yeah. to make of them. Boy, you're right. That division stinks. Yeah, they win the division, but it's like, okay, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're going to be able to put up a division winner banner, and that's about it. Uh, there are three-point favorites over the Titans. Tennessee's interesting. It really hinges on what Ryan Tannehill are we going to get. Are we going to get the Tana thrill from a few, couple years ago, or are we going to get Miami Ryan? If you get Miami Ryan, not going to be cool. Um, Car, Car, and Ryan, like, how, what's really the difference if they're both at their their best, right? So, you know what? I'm going to take the upset here. I think the Titans do win in New Orleans with Hopkins and Derrick Henry. It's going to be going to be close, but I'll I'll go with an upset here. My upset special is the Steelers over the Niners. I can see it. I hope you're wrong because I yeah hate I Steelers, but. But now you also had Nick Bosa just re-up, so he's going to be happy with that uh, huge, huge extension. Um, the defense is nasty. The difference, again, I think we look at quarterback. Okay, Brock Purdy caught everybody off guard last year. Mr. Irrelevant, blah, blah, blah. Well, people know about you now. Um, can that quarterback system from Shanahan continue? And you, you have a healthy CMC, Devo Samuel, George Kittle looks like he should play as well. Um, it, it'll, it'll be tough, but for the Steelers, that defense always keeps them in the ballgame. And it's almost it's pretty much a pick 'em, right? San Francisco's two and a half point favorite. So I don't I don't hate that pick at all. Um I'll say forty ers but I could totally see it going your way. Okay, so we have got uh some uh, probably some uh, fantasy uh, tips for you. Is there anybody that's jumping off the map or anybody that's under the radar this week? I'll tell you this. Now I'm talking season long. And he went undrafted in a lot of leagues. I have picked him up. I think I'm in four fantasy leagues, and, and I've picked him up in all of them at the end. Tank Bigsby for the Jaguars. I don't think enough people are talking about the Jaguars because they're, yeah, they're the Jags. They're, you know, they're, they're not that exciting. They're playing, the, and they're playing the Colts this week. So mm. it's like, okay, well, but Trevor Lawrence is on the, on the rise, as we know. But the difference, I think, is Tank Bigsby. He's been talked about in camp, if you follow the, you know, the, the beat reporters at Jacksonville, as a possible 1B to Travis Etienne's 1A. So if we're talking about a value, and you can have someone, keep him on your bench. I'm not saying play him week one. Mm-hmm. Keep him on your bench and wait. Injury to Etienne, or he starts to really ball out, you could have a, an undrafted guy on your fantasy league come in and get you some points somewhere. Is there somebody on the Broncos you might take with the Sean Payton influence there? 
You know what? I, I'll, now, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you someone I'm avoiding. And when people look at the fantasy projection points and the points from last year, they're rushing to go get um, the tight end Greg Dolchich. He, mm-hmm. he popped a bit last year. But, Bobby, this is going to be a – it's either going to be Troutman with Peyton, who he knew from uh, the Saints, or a possible three-headed fantasy committee from at tight end for the Broncos. So I'm staying clear of Broncos uh, um, tight ends in fantasy. Now, someone I will – pick up potentially mm-hmm. and again you might be able to get him undrafted is marvin mims jr jerry judy is, is on track to play but not 100 percent. if he gets injured or goes down and misses time it's going to be Cortland sutton and marvin mims jr right underneath only for ppr though he's a possession guy he's a little zippy he's going to be out of the slot so marvin mims jr again someone if you pick up you wait a little bit right wait See what happens. He doesn't work out. You drop him, but it, at least you'll have him on your roster for now. I can often uh, listen. You're more an expert uh, um, on this than I am. Is there somebody on the Giants? Like I know Saquon Barkley, they got the quarterback, mm-hmm. but is there somebody on the Giants we might be able to uh, get in the bargain bin, so to speak, or under the radar? You know what? I now he will have been drafted. He's not going to be sitting there. But I don't think people are giving enough credit to Darren Waller at tight end. Ah, yeah. I really don't. You know, I could see him being. Third, maybe even push for second in fantasy points when it comes to the tight end group this year behind Travis Kelsey and, for my sake, hopefully uh, TJ Hawkinson because I drafted him in four freaking leagues. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hoping for Hawk to come out. But for Darren Waller, like, Baldy, here's what we look at. Okay, when healthy in the Raiders, guy was popping, yeah. right? He was clicking, he was going. Then, you know, got injured a little bit. But you look at the opportunity. Opportunity equals success in fantasy football. I say it all the time. And you look at the opportunity he's going to have with New York. These wide receivers are terrible. Darius Slayton is at best a WR3 on a yeah. good team. He's their top guy. Isaiah Hodgins, whatever. Paris Campbell can't stay healthy at all, and he's out of the slot. Darren Waller, if he can stay healthy and get some chemistry going with Daniel Jones, this guy's going to put up some big fantasy numbers. Okay, and so I'm biased here. Uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago when you were ranking your players and stuff like mm. that. The MOP... The, well, we say MOP in the CFL. The MVP in the NFL mm-hmm. is Justin Herbert this year. I think with Kellen Moore, they're going to stay. The Chargers are going to stay healthy this year. They're going to win right. that division, and he's going to be the MOP. Going to win the division? Oh, boy. Oh, man. I, I think they'll make the playoffs for sure. That's a tough division. I but know. Look, there, there's, there's definitely a pass there. I think it comes down to as well. Can Mike Williams' back stay healthy? Can Keenan Allen hold off the hands of time one more year? Um, how do the new receivers pop up? Eckler, if he stays healthy, we know we love him. Um, but Justin Herbert, he, he's he got the tools when healthy. He's got the athleticism. He's a, really a, a sort of a, a, a great season away from becoming Josh Allen. Same big body type, big arm, mo- mobile. So w- would that surprise me at all? Absolutely not. I think he's got a great chance if, if a few things fall his way. So who's who's your pick for the MOP looking at Ooh, it right now? Deshaun Watson, brother. Let's go. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> he, just kidding. He's going to have a good year, though. He's going to have a good year, I though. I hope he does. Oh, my God. I'll, fl- I'll, I'll be... I'll get my head passing out if John Watson wins. It's you know great. about your Browns. Um, you know about before you answer that. You know about your Browns. I, I they're actually kind of like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the CFL. I think quietly they're everybody's second favorite team because they don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they don't have that championship yeah. pedigree. But I can't cheer for him because of Deshaun Watson, just because of the person that he is. Yeah, yeah. You have to kind of. <laughs> Come have, have your morals get checked out, and I guess uh, you know what mine are a bit lower. So uh, I'll go Browns. <laughs> anyway, who's your MVP? <laughs> I'm 
I'm going to say it's going to be, I think it's Joe Burrow, which, which means the Bengals are winning the division, unfortunately for me. But even coming back from the Cavs, I think they're going to start 0-1. But the weapons, oh my gosh, Chase, Higgins, mixing out of the backfield, and just Joe Burrow just lights it up. So I'm going to say Joe Burrow. So, you know, it used to be the NFC was the division and the AFC, it was easier to win the AFC. It's gone way the other way now. Oh, yeah. It's, it, you know, you got your division winners. Uh, I got the Dolphins winning the AFC East. So, so I got the Dolphins, the Bengals, I have the Chargers, and that leaves me with the, uh, let's see, Dolphins. Well, yeah, the South, the Jags. Okay, so then who are my who are like you got the so if the Chiefs win it and the Chargers don't, we I think we both agree the Chargers will get in. So that gives us yep. two more playoff spots. You got the Bills, the Jets, and I think it's the Browns. Like who's getting in there? Yeah, I think the Browns do for sure. Um, well, for sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, Cleveland fan. Yeah, hopefully, um, I'll I'll say the Browns will get in. Um, really, like. Are the Jets with Aaron Rodgers like a good team's going to miss the playoffs? Like the Jets yes. are right there. I don't think I don't think anybody outside of the West, um, but the Broncos. You know, I think they get better, but they probably missed out. Could the Titans squeak in? Uh, you know, they're kind of that five hundred level type of team. Then you got the Ravens, which are always a bit of a wild card in Pittsburgh. Like that AFC North team could cannibalize itself enough where. You know, if if let's say a ten and seven team, if that's the last wild card spot, maybe they miss out on a tiebreaker. Um, I think the Bills. The, I think I think the Bills miss out. I think the Bills really take a step back. Yeah. Wow. No. I, well, I pick. I think the Bills will win the division. Um, I think the Jets will be knocking on the door for uh, a wild card. Um, yeah. Two teams come out of the West. One out of the South. And that's the thing. Like in the NFC, you pick the division winners and you're like, yeah, but it's really the Eagles to lose. AFC is so much tougher. Isn't it? It's crazy. It's going to be great, man. Where can they find your work, buddy? Boy, well, actually, hey, the sick podcast with Andy McNamara every Sunday, starting this Sunday, Ballsy, live 10 a.m. Eastern fantasy football. We keep it up to date. Ask Andy's going to be back. All your fantasy football and betting needs, tips, updates. That's 10 a.m. on YouTube. So the sick podcast with Andy McNamara, subscribe there. And then on Twitter, at SickPodBrowns, at AndyMC81, and Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Love it, man. Take care. Have a great football weekend. Yes, you too, sir. Talk to you soon. I'm Billy Wildland back here in the Sports Cage studio, and yes, indeed, it is a great football weekend all across North America, not even talking about uh, the action that's kicking off south of the border on Sunday. Of course, yesterday was a Thursday night kickoff, and you can tell us the day after the first NFL game, because there's a lot of hot takes going around social media today. If you're a Kadorius, Kadarius Tony fan, you're definitely uh, feeling down, but uh, mark my words, I think Tony's going to bounce back at some point this year with a fantasy-relevant game. Of course, if you own any Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers, on the on the other hand, you're probably disappointed about last night's game, or about all the guys in fantasy land that uh, you know had Travis Kelsey, and they figured, well, Noah Gray will be the best pickup, and it turned out Blake Bell was uh, Kelsey's replacement in terms of fantasy relevancy, as he picked up a touchdown and a big yard, big catch as well for the Kansas City Chiefs last night and on the positive side even though the Detroit Lions won last night a lot of people are talking about Jameer Gibbs he was a talk of a lot of fantasy owners last night as uh, he looked very impressive but uh, snap count was definitely in favor of David Montgomery as Dan Campbell he said earlier this afternoon it was all by design for Gibbs to have a limited role in last night's game so if you got some some 
stock in Jameer Gibbs in Fantasyland, I'd hang on to him and not worry about that last night's performance. Of course, uh, a lot of football action happening locally here. We're going to head out back to Winnipeg with more balls. Of course, he's uh, in Manitoba for the Labor Day rematch. That's tomorrow. You can catch it on 620 CKRM. Opening kickoffs at 2 o'clock. Start things with countdown the kickoff at 11. And as well, we're going to head down the highway to Saskatoon tonight for the University of Regina Rams and the University of Saskatchewan Huskies taking part in their first of two matchups this season. The Rams are coming off a tough loss against UBC Thunderbirds last week, while the Huskies came from behind and defeated the University of Manitoba Bisons. Of course, Zinger's going to have the call pregame show at 6.30. Opening kickoff is at 7 o'clock. We're going to actually hear from Zinger at the bottom of the hour, just after 4.30. We're going to give a call out to Zinger and see he survived that bus trip up to Saskatoon and as he sets up for the big broadcast, his first broadcast, outside of the friendly confines of Mosaic State. So we'll see how he's greeted up at Griffith Stadium. So that will do it for hour one of the Sports Cage. We got plenty more coming up in hour number two. So stay stick around as we got more here on the Sports Cage. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Friday show brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. I was talking to my son last night. He said, hey, it's hockey season. You get to talk to Stoffer. Actually, we're friends, so I talked to him besides being on the air, Ethan. He said, well, I know, but at least you get to talk some hockey and I can listen to it. So welcome back, Bob. Hey, you're the only one. Friends. <laughs> you're the only one I got. I love it. I love it. Hey, hey, uh. For a minute there, I did think the Edmonton Oilers might be the first Edmonton team to win at Commonwealth Stadium. Yes. Uh, but uh, the Elks have uh, pulled off a couple of uh, nice wins, and they blew that one in Calgary. Uh, Trey Ford's got uh, the city uh, interested a bit. Yeah, well, he can move, right? He can run. So uh, that helps. A little bit different dimension. Uh, I've I, I got to tell you, Michael, to be honest with you, I'm surprised. I thought that Chris Jones would have a greater impact on uh, the Elks defense and their special teams. I thought that that would be, you know, the return game, which has been non-existent in Edmonton for years and years and years. I thought he'd be able to find some guys, right, that could uh, could do that. And uh, the defense has proven it, that at critical junctures throughout the season this year, they haven't been able to shut anybody down. So, uh, but uh, the last four games, at least, they've been competitive. It's ironic they ended up moving out Victor Quee, the president of the team. Um, Rick Wallace sure has come back aboard. I'm going to be very intrigued to see what happens with the CFL, with the uh, manage, you know, uh, coaching and management cap, whether or not uh, uh, there's a, uh, a break on that front. Uh, because I think that, you know, if the Elks finish with four fewer wins this year, I think they're certainly going to be in Edmonton a push from the fan base to maybe have a new uh, management coach and staff. Mm, for sure. Okay, so let's talk hockey, man. Uh, I'm pumped. The Oilers uh, have some unfinished business. Uh Connor's friends in town, Connor Brown. How's he looking so far? Well, uh, I was down there the first two days. They're in the captain's gate, so technically, you know, uh, I know they did a full media availability yesterday, but I was up and down into Grand Prairie last night for an event. Uh, but I, I was down there the first couple of days. I talked to Connor Brown, and I, I think the thing that I, I want to highlight is that uh, the captain's gates are, you know, what used to happen in they, they sort of have taken over from the form of conditioning camps that used to occur throughout the you know the late 1980s and into the mid to late 2000s. Uh, 
and and so training camp isn't for another two weeks. Uh, but Connor McDavid, the captain of the team, wanted everybody here. So every rostered player that we expect on the team this year is in Edmonton two weeks before training camp starts for the captain's skates. And I think that bodes well. I think that illustrates certainly uh, a level of commitment and a realization that they got to push this thing through. They were very close last year against Vegas, the eventual Stanley Cup champions. As for Connor Brown, you know, I remember Chris Knobloch, who coached for the Kootenai Ice in the Western League. The winners put Chris in Erie, uh, working for Sherry Basson, and called me probably in the first week. And he goes, I'm going to tell you a tale of two Connors. One's Connor McDavid. He said, Bob, I might be coaching the greatest player that's ever lived. This guy can do stuff at 15 that I've never seen a player do before. And the other Connor is Connor Brown, and uh, he is going to exceed the expectations of what people think he's going to do at the next level. He's going to find a way to play uh, in the National Hockey League. And the guy said multiple 20-goal seasons. He's coming back from a pretty significant injury, but I wouldn't bet against him. Sam Gagne, you going to make this team? Uh, while he's out there, I mean, it's there's basically two veteran right shots that are in on PTOs, Brandon Sutter, who hasn't played the last two years. Of course, he uh, lives down it right there in the offseason. Uh, and then Sam, this would be his third tour duty. Jeff Jackson, who's the Oilers' new CEO. Michael, that's Sam Gagne was his first client. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I would actually think, like, if Sutter shows anything at center, to me, he's got the better chance to make it just because he's a bigger body and he's, you know, played exclusively center. Sam Gagne is a bit like Derek Ryan for the Oilers. Uh, you know, he's he's the guy that played center earlier in his career, but has spent most of his time in the right wing and kind of re-embedded himself. And the only difference is Derek Ryan's better in the face-off circle. He's a better penalty killer. Uh, and he's been a, you know, plus player. Derek Ryan's a couple years older. So, uh, I mean, the Oilers have the, uh, you know, the 50-man reserve list capabilities of signing a couple more guys that may be farming somebody down. Uh, but to answer your question, I think both Gagne and Sutter, assuming Sutter's you know, over the post-COVID thing. I think both those guys are probably going to play four of the first preseason, four of the five first preseason games, and we'll see where it goes. But I think both guys, it's a bit of a long shot. Where's his eight-point night uh, in in your memory bank in terms of memories? Well, it was, it was wild because it was Chicago, and that's when they were an absolute powerhouse. Like the Oilers, what I remember about that is Edmonton beat Chicago 9-2, and one of the writers wrote a piece about Chicago coming back. Oh, they're going to, they're going to, you know, they're going to make amends for that terrible performance at Edmonton the last time they were there. And that was the night that Gagne ended up getting the four goals, eight points. I mean, it doesn't, I like the playoff wins, right? Like the overtime goal yeah. by McDavid against Calgary to knock them out. For me, you know, I'm going into year 16 doing color for the Oilers. Um, and that would be amongst the, uh, you know, certainly amongst the top five highlights, the McDavid goal against the Rangers, you know, but the McDavid overtime goal against Calgary is number one. And I'll, and I'll be blunt with you, much like the players, for me, the most disappointment I've had in, in the privileged role of being an Oilers broadcaster is watching them lose in game six to Vegas because they could have won that series. And, you know, with team, teams like Boston and Colorado knocked out, it was right there for Edmonton to go get. Yeah, it, felt, it, it really did, didn't it, Bob? It felt like a missed opportunity last year. Yeah, but you know what? Sometimes you gotta you gotta go through a couple of lows before you end up manifesting into a stand. Like, like I am a believer that when you have generational players, eventually those guys find a way. And in the case of Connor McDavid, it's been because you know, you know, again, I worked for the Orders Entertainment Group. 
they built the team up to the point where they're now like two years ago after they beat Calgary and lost to Colorado, Michael, I don't think the owners were a legitimate Stanley Cup threat. They were in the final four, but I don't think they were anywhere near as, you know, I mean, in the last three years, they've added Hyman and Kane up front and they've added Ekholm on defense. Ekholm was a huge add. The team had the best record in the NHL after he came aboard 18-2-1 and one, and they, uh, you know, totally shaved their goals against Dallas. Ninth and leading goals against Dallas back home here from day one. And the only question for me is, you know, I think we're going to see Broberg on the right side at times to start the year. And the question is, do they need to trade for another right shot D to upgrade, kind of like they upgraded last year when they added Matias Eckel? Yeah, so that's uh, just to to feed into my last question. Who who or what are you most intrigued, uh, you know, seeing here in training camp and into the early part of the season? Would it be a Broberg, uh, the further evolution of Evan Bouchard? What are you looking forward to there? Well, yeah, I'm pretty confident with where McLeod and Bouchard are at. Like, they're a pair of 2018s. Uh, McLeod's going to center the third wide. Bouchard's going to run the power play. Like, uh, conservatively, I'd say Bouchard's going to get 60 points this year. Uh <laughs> But for me, it's Holloway and Broberg. Like uh, those guys, just as McLeod and Bouchard became full-time guys over the last year and a half, now's the time for Holloway and, and, and Broberg. They're both first-round picks, and it might be a little tougher for Broberg just because he's going to be a left shot, probably playing over the right side. I mean, you look at the orders left, D. Michael. They got Nurse, they got Ekholm, and they got Kulak. Like that's pretty good on the left side, and so. Uh, if Broberg's going to force the issue, it's probably going to have to be playing right D. Uh, so for me, he and Holloway in terms of uh, – and, and Holloway's got to play – Holloway's got to go from 10 to 14 minutes a game, hmm. in my opinion. So those are the two guys I'm watching the most closely in the fall. Well, Bob, one more here. We started this conversation uh, talking football because it's big here in quarterbacking. The quarterback in hockey is your goalie. If you don't have a goalie like a quarterback, you're kind of hooped. I'm intrigued by that. Skinner and Campbell again. Yeah, I, you know what? I know Skinner got the majority of the starts last year. I think it could be a 50-50 equation. I really do. Uh, Campbell, to me, far be it for me to make a judgment like this, but it looked like his body composition was a little bit, like it looked like he was a little thinner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think he's a good bet to bounce back. I really do. And Skinner, I've seen a lot of Stewart over the summer at some events around town and stuff, and he's just he just has a mature calm uh, about him that, you like that we don't often see for you know, sometimes goaltenders are a little higher strung. He's got a lot of poise. He's got lots of runway left, but I think Edmonton's going to have it. Maybe I'm the eternal optimist. Like I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I never wavered from my prediction of 48 to 50. No, you didn't last year. No, you didn't. And this year to me, I think the team will win 50 to 55 games. I think they will be a top six team. I mean, they had the second best record to Vegas in the regular season. They finished two points behind Vegas. If they'd beaten Vegas in regulation instead of losing in overtime, they would have had home ice advantage. And I think that would have been a big issue in game one, may I add, because the, the team never went back to Edmonton after they beat LA. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what, uh, we'll see what happens here in between the pipes, but I'm fairly confident about this group this year. I think they're, you know, I, they're all day. They're a legit top five team in the league, in my opinion, they have a great chance to win the Stanley. Well, let's be honest, Bob. It's almost Stanley Cup or bust. We're almost it there. Is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is for sure. Hey, Bob, thanks for your time, man. Take care. All right. Take care, Balti. See you later. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. This is 36. Long 
throws the cross. It is intercepted on the deflection. Brian Branch, the rookie, ties the game with his first NFL touchdown. Brian Branch, the rookie defensive back from the Alabama Crimson Tide. As you heard, a pick six off a deflection from Tony, who absolutely could not catch the football. He had a horrible night as a receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. But Branch on the deflection takes it home for the touchdown, and he's our clutch performer. And our clutch performer is for Nick Service at Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Give him a call, 781-1077. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the sports cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. The show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Man, we got a busy weekend. We got the Ryder game tomorrow as I'm in Winnipeg. Tonight we've got Sean Kleisinger and Ryan Hall on the airwaves as the uh U of R Rams take on the U of S Huskies. Rams trying to get to one and one. And the Regina Pats officially open their preseason tonight at home against the Brandon Wheat Kings. We're joined by their voice, Dante DeCaria. Um, so training camp, how's it uh, how's it look so far through your eyes going into this preseason game? Yeah, ballsy. I was really impressed with, you know, the crop of young players that the Regina Pats scouting staff, in particular, director of scouting Dale McMullen, was able to put together heading into training camp. Heck, I mean, some of the 08s are better than some of the veteran players, which I think is really exciting for Regina Pats fans. And, you know, the neat thing about it, Michael, is the fact that Regina didn't have a first or second round pick heading into the 2023 WHL prospects draft. And to get, you know, some really talented players in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and even eighth round to me is just remarkable. And it's a testament to what the scouting staff did. I know the main talk around the draft was how Regina pretty much drafted all of their players out of Winnipeg. And all those players are absolutely legit. So, you know, those guys can't play this year given their 15, but say in, you know, two, three, four years down the road, I think this team is going to be a team that, you know, is going to, you know, Go for a championship, right? Uh, they will be a pretty competitive team this year, I feel. But, you know, I think just seeing the the 16-year-olds, the 15-year-olds, and some of the 17-year-olds just kind of, you know, makes things really exciting for the future of this club. Yeah, for sure. What's the goalie look like, QA? We heard a lot about him. Yeah, he's quick. I mean, hey, he looked just as far as his father, right? He played in the NHL for Montreal Canadiens, obviously with the Chicago Blackhawks winning the Stanley Cup in 2010. He's quick on his feet. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be really good. Obviously, Drew Sim is not going to be in net for the foreseeable future, given that he's out with a lower body injury until maybe closer to mid to late November, hopefully, uh, knock on wood. But I think is the real deal. You know, Regina I didn't have um, a 1A, 1B situation last year in net. Drew Sim played the second most games in the Western Hockey League. So uh, I think they're going to want to have two solid goaltenders. Uh, Kelton Pine, I think it's up to him to kind of, you know, prove himself in the next couple of weeks or a couple of months. What kind of lineup are we going to ice tonight uh, in this first preseason game? Yeah, I'd expect the Pats to kind of go with, you know, some younger players that they've just signed. Uh, today they signed, you know, Drew Mushamansky and Fenton Mann and uh, the, uh, I guess, social media celebrity, Jet Deschamps, who everybody's kind of going off on hmm. social media. Uh, for those that don't know, he's kind of a, a little guy, although he's not that little. He's around my height, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, and he's about 125 pounds. And he's just 14 years old, which a lot of people have to 
remember, right? The Western Hockey League does draft, you know, a year younger than the Ontario Hockey League. So, yeah, he's only 14 years old. Um, his mom's really tall, taller than me. She's about six <laughs> one. So expect this kid to grow, and uh, he's expected to be a really exciting player. But I guess as far as the rest of the lineup goes, uh, you know, Alan Miller is, you know, his first opportunity to see these players not playing against each other, playing against the opposition. So I think he's going to want to have a good look at some prospects and some veteran players as well. Have you noticed a difference with Brad Haroff behind the bench now that he's the guy? Well, he hasn't been behind the bench just yet, right? You yeah. Know, through some of the, the scrimmages, it was Ken Schneider and uh, Evan McFeeders running the bench with some guest coaches, Mark Schneider, former Pat was on the bench and Logan Nyhoff was helping out as well. Another former Pat. So yeah, tonight is going to be the first time that we really see Brad Haroff as the head coach. And, uh, you know, just from, you know, watching and being around Brad yeah. over the last couple of years, he is very detail oriented uh, and he's very new school, so to speak. And I'm not saying John wasn't new school or old school or whatever it was, but uh, Brad's got a lot of new fresh ideas. He's very smart um, he's very technical, um, very good with, you know, kind of motivating the players. And, uh, you know, he's a people guy. You know, a lot of the players want to play for him. Um, I think him and Al Miller are definitely on the same page. A lot of what they talked about at the press conference when both were announced was just kind of, you know, the, the days of screaming and yelling and kicking garbage cans over in the dress room are over. You know, you have to build relationships with the players. You have to motivate them a little bit different. That doesn't mean you can't you know, give them a kick in the butt here and there, but that can't kind of be the main fo focus of coaching. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess that's what I meant. Have you noticed a difference in him just even the way he runs a practice now that he's the guy? Yeah, I definitely do. You know, um, he's, he's, a, he's, he loves to score. Like he's mm -hmm. a big offense guy. Um, he's not all about, you know, dumping the puck in and going to get it. Uh, I think personally, uh, he's somebody that, you know, I think values possession, somebody that values, you know, bringing the puck and entering and, you know, making plays and being creative and stuff like that. But he's also somebody that uh, cares a lot about defense. And, um, you know, like if, if you're going to pinch up and cheat, you got to get back too, right? As, as hard as you go to their blue line, you got to go just as hard back to your own blue line. Mm -hmm. Not for sure. Thanks, Dante. I appreciate it, man. Looking forward to hearing you on the airwaves once again. Thank you so much, Ballsy. We'll talk to you soon. I'm Blaine Weiland back here in the Sports Cage studio as, of course, today the Sports Cage is literally all over the place. While I'm here in Regina, Ballsy's out in Winnipeg ahead of tomorrow's Labor Day rematch. And as well, Zinger, he's up in Saskatoon as tonight the University of Regina Rams will take on the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. We'll hear from Zinger in a few minutes' time. But, of course, you can catch that game here on 620 CKRM. The Rams and the Huskies, a good Saskatchewan battle. They kick off a big weekend in football. And coverage begins with the pregame show at 6.30, opening kickoffs at 7 o'clock tomorrow besides that big CFL matchup there's also the Saskatoon Hilltops visiting the Regina Thunder at Mosaic Stadium with a 7 o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. Of course week 14 of the CFL kicks off tonight with the Hamilton Tiger Cats taking on the Ottawa Red Blacks. That sets up a triple header set for tomorrow including the Rough Riders squaring off with the Blue Bombers in the Labor Day rematch at 2 o'clock coverage begins on 620 
KRM with Countdown to Kickoff at 11 o'clock. At that time, it's going to be the first game of the triple header between Montreal and Toronto. And another Labor Day rematch caps things off tomorrow night between Calgary and Edmonton. And the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be back in action against the Kansas City Royals. A couple of big injury notes for the Jays as they have lost catcher Danny Jansen for the rest of the season following finger surgery. But the Jays are getting back a key clog in their lineup. Bo Bichette is set to return to the Blue Jays lineup. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report. A look at what's happening in our three-down game. Let's go. Spread right, fake spear. Play pass, 16 counters, ZD bang. Pull back west right, zoom. Pull back left, pass half back at zero, Z quick screen left. On one, The CFL Report's brought to you by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boater pontoon from Kevin's Marine. You can check them out in Fort Coupel or online at kevinsmarine.com. Well, the CFL and CFLPA have issued a joint statement in regards to air quality affecting games going forward. Now an independent third party will be brought in to test air quality and provide measurements in real time. And any measurement above an air quality index of 7 will prevent or halt play. Could become a real issue going forward in this league. This league can't afford to cancel games. I talked with TSN's Glenn Suter about that this week. We've always had wildfires, but they seem to be... Um, I don't know if they're more severe, but they they are earlier in the year, and maybe they will last longer, too. So, I mean, I, I would hope that the CFLPA, and I'm all for player safety, that's paramount, I really am, but I would hope they're going to work pretty flexible with the CFL because this isn't a league, uh, you know, there's a a lot, it's a tricky situation to cancel and move games. Like, for instance, that Ryder game would have been moved, just TV alone, like Blaine was saying earlier, you're you're there, now you got to race to Calgary, like there's a whole bunch of dominoes that got to fall, so we all got to work together and be realistic about this. Oh, listen, it'll be very expensive if a game has to be canceled and rescheduled. It'll be very expensive. Like, um, you know, and that's that's something that everybody wants to avoid. Uh, there, there's got to be limits, though. There is a safety issue. I mean, there's a, a point where uh, you can't, you shouldn't go outside. I mean, just citizens alone, and it's not just play. It's not just players, though, Michael. It's the fans. Yeah, that's too. true. The fans sitting in the building can't be exposed to a certain level either. So, um, you know, I, in the big, big picture, and I, you know, we never get political. I'd love to hear one government official say we are working on building a huge manufacturing plant in Canada to put billions of dollars into building water bombers so we are prepared for this as, as life goes on here because it's not going away and have, like, selling them to the states for millions and creating thousands and thousands of jobs. I'd love to hear one politician have some kind of plan for this in the future. That's my rant. I'll move on. Um, (laughs) No, it's true, though. We talk a lot of, we do talk a lot. We hear a lot of environmental talk uh, out of both sides of everybody's mouth, but nobody ever really comes up with a plan. It's true. Talking sports on your way home. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, I'm Blaine Weiland back here in the Sports Cage studio in Regina, downtown Regina, 1900 Rose Street. And we're going to head up down to the highway just in a couple of seconds with the voice of the University of Regina Ram, Sean Kleisinger, of course, Zinger. But first off, I got to 
Yep. Right. Usually a singer screws me, screws me up on this, but it was my own fault. i got to mention the sponsor for the sports ticker brought to you by Bronco, Bronco Plumbing and Heating for Bronco, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right, 781-2090. And now I am joined with Zinger up in Saskatoon. Zinger, who's more excited for this game tonight? The Ram players or yourself calling your first game on the road outside of Mosaic Stadium? I don't know, man. It's it's. Uh, I'd say it's close, but no, I give it to players. The atmosphere is already, uh, you know, it's already up there. They're blowing up the big husky dog in one of the end zones right now. We got players already on the field getting, you know, some work in. David Soley, the kicker and punter for the Saskatchewan Huskies, he's punting from his 50-yard line right now. Just uh, it's a picture perfect day for football and it's you know I know we're still a couple hours away until kickoff but it looks like the weather's going to hold up and the other good thing about this is we don't have to worry about any smoke in the air finally we're playing a football game with no smoke in the air I believe the smoke is about at a two or a three on the health index so that's a good thing going into play tonight I was, I was going to ask you about that, but uh, I'm glad you already did your research. We'll talk We'll talk a little bit more about the stadium and the environment, the rivalry with the Huskies in a bit. But let's go back to last week, the Rams season opener against the UBC Thunderbirds. A 25-10 score, but if you want to look on the positive side, the Rams only limited the Thunderbirds to one touchdown. And, of course, the Rams' touchdown came after a quarterback switch with Bryden O'Flaherty. I know we heard Noel Pelche earlier on the show, but maybe, uh, Sean, give us an update on terms of the Rams' quarterback situation heading to their second game against the Huskies tonight. Yeah, no, uh, no, Pelche is uh, still the Regina Rams guy. I don't think we're going to see any overreaction at this point. We all know it wasn't the, you know, the outing that not only Mark McConkie wanted, but Noah Pelche himself wanted. But I think a lot went into that game last week. You know, he got hit early and he got hit often and that kind of just threw out the sink with the receivers. And it was just uh, a few throws, I think, that if he would have made them, it would have made a huge difference going through into like the second, the third, the fourth quarter. So I, I really feel like this Rams offense is close right now. If they can just hit on a few plays, that will get the you know the mojo rolling, if you will. But uh, like you said, Brian O'Flaherty, he did come off the bench last week, and he, he played pretty good. I mean, he played pretty good in the preseason game versus Manitoba, and, uh, you know, he was decisive with the ball. He... Uh, connected on five of his first six pass attempts and like you mentioned Blaine uh, led the lone touchdown drive for the Rams uh, you know last week a touchdown drive by the way that Noah Pelche capped off it was a nice bootleg around the end in the north end zone but yeah no week two we're not going to see any any type of overreaction at this point it's Noah Pelche's team it was his team you know last season and it was his team through the off-season program, and it's his team as of week two right now. And I don't see that uh, changing uh, anytime soon. Now, if he, you know, happens to struggle again tonight, he, we might see a, another quarterback change. But I still think, even if Noah Pelche, you know, uh, were to get pulled tonight, that Noah would end up getting a start next week versus Calgary at home. And of course, Zinger, last week it was a tough test for the, the Rams and especially the offense going up against that Thunderbird defense. Of course, the Thunderbirds and the Huskies, the top two teams in terms of the coaches' preseason poll. How much do you think of, uh, you know, opening game jitters kind of played against the Rams last week? Yeah, I think there's some of that. Mostly, I, I just think that, like I mentioned before, it was just more so 
just some fundamental errors, whether it was just a drop from a receiver or a missed tackle. I don't I don't know if the jitters was a part of it. It was just more so just you know, just not making the plays when the plays were given to them. If, uh, you could have about three or four of those plays back in week one versus UBC at home. I mean, I think it's a different outcome. You look before the half, uh, Regina Rams had the ball in field goal range with about, uh, you know, under 20 seconds remaining. And instead of, you know, setting up an Aldo Gavin field goal to go into the half with uh, three, three more points on the board, it was some, you know, bad clock management on the field so you went into the locker room and that's that's a downer not only because you took three three points off the board but you know that's a big momentum swing going into the locker room so yeah I think maybe some jitters but you know just fundamentally they just have to be better on all all facets whether that's offense defense special teams game management and I, I do expect to see that tonight here in week two at Griffith Stadium. All right, I'm joined with the voice of the University of Regina Rams football team, Zinger. And Zinger, let's talk about the defense. You know, they only did give up the one touchdown against UBC, but they, they did allow six field goals. It was kind of a bend, don't break type uh, mentality for the Rams, or it seems like how it worked out last week. Just your thoughts about the defensive performance last week and your thoughts of going against the Huskies this week. Yeah, no, they had a great performance last week, the Rams defense. I mean, Braden Wag, a fifth-year chopper hippie, linebackers, uh, both of them had just great showings. They had a, they both had sacks. And the secondary, Cole Breitkreitz in the secondary, he was making plays all over the place, number 15. And I, I think this Rams defense, you know, going into the season, we were kind of expecting this to maybe be you know, the downfall for this 2023 edition of the Regina Rams. But if week one was any indication, I don't uh, see that happening. They were playing well in sync. They were playing uh, together type football uh, versus UBC in week one there. And uh, a lot of uh, big pieces still in the lineup, like Josh White, number 44, a CFL draft pick of the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's a big stud in there. Delaney Robinson was making plays. They were sending him off corner blitzes, you name it, last week versus UBC. Delaney Robinson is a guy to watch, number 11 on the corner this year for the Rams. He comes over from the West Shore Rebels. He's from Toronto, Ontario, and I I see a big future for this guy. And one matchup I am really looking forward to seeing tonight is, you know, along the defensive line for the Saskatchewan Huskies, number 91, Reese McCormick. We know that name quite well, of course. He was... Uh, recently with the Regina Thunder. Well, he's going to be going up against his old teammate uh, of the Regina Thunder, number 66, Connor Clausen, who will be starting at right tackle once again this week for the Regina Rams. So that's going to be an interesting matchup to see, you know, once playing on the same side of the field for a junior program, now matching up head-to-head and the U sports level. So overall, collectively, I am looking forward to seeing this Rams defense to see if they can build on what was a pretty good week one uh, week one performance because if they do build on last week, I mean, I'm expecting a pretty good outing and a, hopefully, you know, a, a better outcome tonight. All right, Zinger, we got about uh, two minutes time, so I'll, but just talk a little bit more about this rivalry. You know, it seems like you know the, in college football, it's the last week of November. We got a bunch of rivalry games. It seems like it's Saskatchewan's this weekend, of course. You got your game kicking off tonight. We got the Rough Riders and the Blue Bombers tomorrow. The Hilltops and the Thunder also take part in action tomorrow. It seems like it's going to be a great weekend of football, and you get to kick things off tonight up in Saskatoon, what should be a lively crowd. I believe there's seven to 10,000 people expected at tonight's game. You must be looking forward to it as well with, with the Rams team. 
Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this, man. I think it was last week watching college football down south, Virginia Tech. They were in the in the tunnel and they play Enter Sandman by Metallica, and then uh, they run out to the field. Well, they have like a mini version of that here at Griffith Stadium when the Huskies uh, run out of that. Uh, dog in the end zone they play enter sandman and every single person in the stadium stands up stomping their feet there's fireworks galore so yeah i'm really looking forward to this environment man I'd, you can make the argument this is one of the best u sports atmospheres not only in can west but just across the country in general and i think the key for the rams tonight to overcome this and have a chance at winning this game they have to survive that opening couple drives they you know they can't let the momentum build against them they can't let you know a couple mistakes here and there go the other way for touchdowns they can't find themselves down early they have to be able to survive that initial surge that the huskies will have because they're gonna have it there's it's just you know it's inevitable they're gonna have the crowd the home crown behind them and i think if the rams can you know, waver that and just keep close keep it close at halftime going into the third quarter who knows what can happen all right, Zinger. Well, uh, hide your gold with your green right that you're probably wearing tonight and have a couple of drinks of water and have a good call tonight. We'll all be listening uh, to what should be a great football game tonight in Saskatoon. Yeah, all right, Blaine. I appreciate you, man. Have a good day. All right, that was Zinger, of course, one of the guests as we headed out to the Western Pizza Hotline for Western Pizza. Take a slice out of your September schedule and let Western Pizza do the cooking tonight. As we'll hit the break, we got more on the way with Ballsy from Winnipeg. You're tuning in to the Sports Cage. The Kings of Saskatchewan Sports Talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Well, we got a great sports weekend here and a big football weekend. My favorite time of year. We got college football, American and Canadian. We got uh Pro football, CFL and NFL. We got great junior football. The Regina Thunder are unbeaten uh, in the regular season. They haven't lost in the regular season since October 19th, 2019, which was the last game of that regular season against, I think it was the Huskies of Edmonton. Joining me is their president, Mirad El-Khatib. That's a nice uh, feather in the football helmet, so to speak. Well, uh, Ballsy, we're going to go for, uh, you know, win 20 in a row here, um, uh, you know, in the regular season. And, you know, certainly, you know, kind of the building of the program that we started a number of years ago with a, you know, win off the field, win on the field mentality, you know, is paying off. And, you know, a, a real transition in the club this year, new quarterback, uh, the Saskatoon Hilltops coming to town on Saturday night at Mosaic. It's going to be a great, uh, you know, weather. It's going to be a incredible atmosphere and this rivalry is just uh you know among uh, probably one of the most storied you know regina saskatoon rivalries in in probably canadian football oh for sure man and 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 it's become that way because of what the thunder have done and most recently uh it, you know you'd get the odd win against them but now i think this organization both on and off the field is pretty well on par with the Saskatoon Hilltops in terms of competitiveness and what you do off the field. You got to catch them in championships, but everything else, and, and, you know, maybe you could make the claim even more so off the field with the, how you're offering scholarships and everything like that. Well, you know, I think that, you know, certainly when we look at, uh, you know, the, uh, the on field uh, side first, you know, again, uh, when we uh, went in in, in uh, 2021 uh, and we beat the Hilltops that very first time in the regular season uh, two years ago, 
I think they hadn't lost a game in four and a half years at that point. So forget a game anyway. They hadn't lost a game. And so, you know, to walk in and uh, and win, you know, four in a row against them, uh, we're going to try and make it five on Saturday. Feel really good about it. But the off-season, um, you know, programs that we're running, the scholarship programs, the financial success of the Regina Thunder in terms of a football club offering those development opportunities for our kids, you know, 58 full-time student-athletes all getting a scholarship, you know, thanks to, you know, things like our Dinner of Champions that we're running on October 11th at Canaxis. And, you know, those are the kind of things that – have the community engaged ballsy. And, and, you know, again, we want to get people in the stands at Mosaic. This is going to be a clash. You know, they want to come in here and they want to, you know, definitely beat us after we beat them, uh, you know, again, call it, uh, you know, last year in the championship in the PFC and, of course, in the regular season. Yeah. But we're ready. I mean, we've got a new quarterback, Carter Moberg, a great kid. You know, get a rural kid out of uh, Swift Current area, came in here, you know, bided his time for two years, learned from uh, Carter Shuchuk, our, you know, all-star quarterback and, uh, you know, PFC player of the week in week two in his second start of his uh, of his career. It's cool. To, for it's... 360 yards. And, you know, in that second game, Ballsy, mm-hmm. we had 696 yards of total offense. Yeah. You know, so again, uh, this uh, offense is electric and the defense is maybe even better. The only downside, Murad, is that you have to play at Mosaic Stadium. And I don't say that negatively, but that libel field, it's such an intimate setting. Uh, it really gives you guys a home field advantage. I'm not saying you're going to be at a disadvantage here, but you know what I mean. Well, listen, we, we, we love live. Libel field is our home. Uh, you know, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, we get. You know, we're expecting more fans than we can accommodate at uh, at Libel for this game. And so, you know, again, it has been our tradition with the Hilltops to play at Mosaic so we could accommodate their fans. But you know what? Maybe you're right, Ballsy. Maybe next year I should do it at Libel and we'll just fill up with Regina fans. And the, well, that's uh, what I mean. Fans can watch from the, uh, yeah, what is, what is your deal? You're the world <laughs> entrepreneur. You know what's supply and demand. Why don't you jack the ticket prices? you got a program to pay for, Murad. <laughs> You know what? Uh, we're, we're just looking to get uh, you know get fans out to this game. We want to rock mosaic this uh, Saturday night at seven o'clock. And yeah. like I said, it's going to be great weather. It's going to be an amazing football atmosphere. We're going to celebrate the Riders uh, winning in Winnipeg, and then we're going to come and watch the Thunder uh, beat the Hilltop. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Saturday's going to be for me. You're right. It's going to be a great football weekend. Uh, our coverage on CKRM with the Riders begins at 11, the kickoff at 2, and then you can have yourself a little bite to eat and uh, pop on down and watch a great uh, junior football clash. Stars of tomorrow today. And, I mean, just look at the Riders' uh, practice roster right now. We are going to interview Isaiah Woodley and hear from him a little later on in the broadcast. Uh, Murad, great kid out of Boston that's uh, really learning the craft now with the Rough Riders, Riley you saw Reese McCormick, a Thunder grad, going up to the U of S. Uh, just a great, great, great program. You know what I like about what, you know, you're my buddy, so I'm a little biased. Yeah. But what I like about you is you're not just a president that's off the field, you know, uh, shaking hands and using his influence to turn the program around. Like, you really know about these kids and you know about the sport and you care about it. So you're a fan, too. I think that's cool. Well, uh, listen, I mean, football is, uh, we're a football family, uh, you know, since our, our son played and, you know, Michelle and I have continued on. But, um, you know, this uh, this program is doing something really special in this community. I mean, we are building out, you know, young leaders and, uh, you know, the uh, the connection with the riders and having our guys and that interaction, you know, with them. Um, 
it's it's been great uh you know and 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 the community involvement to me is the most important thing i mean the the thunder acts of kindness program that the co-op refinery sponsors for us i mean we're out in the community doing you know we're cleaning parks ballsy we're picking garbage we're you know fixing uh you know fences and cutting grass at senior centers and and the boys love doing it right they're the ones driving the community activity they're not doing it with long faces saying oh, i got to go out and do something else after i practice all week they want to do this stuff that's, that's a that's great that's great i don't think people realize that yeah and it starts with your head coach he does laundry when he has to at the facility that's hilarious it's hilarious but that's I mean, kind of what you guys do listen scott scotty mccauley puts in over 1600 volunteer hours a year and, uh, you know, again, that's the passion of the Thunder. Uh, come on out on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a game. Can't wait. 7 o'clock. Get out there and have a great football weekend. Thanks, Murad. I appreciate it. Thanks, Ballsy. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. Friday's show is brought to you by Nelson Home, supplying home packages and RTMs for over 65 years. Coming to you live from Winnipeg and joining me on the phone is Kelly Jeffrey, who's here in Winnipeg, just not with me here uh, on set. So, uh, Kelly, thanks for taking time out of your uh, schedule. Um, first off, uh, are you feeling more comfortable as the offensive coordinator? I really like what you've done the last couple of weeks. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think as we get more reps and I get to know the personnel, um, you know, we just get stronger. And uh, with, when the season started, I, I felt like it would take a little while to get in the flow anyway. Um, but once we had, you know, quarterback change, a lot of offensive line changes, several changes of the receiver, I think it kind of set me back and getting a feel for, um, you know, how we want to attack with personnel. But now I'm, I'm feeling better for sure. It's kind of like a chef, right? You, you you think you know the ingredients that you need, and then all of a sudden the ingredients change, and then it's not quite how you thought it would taste, but now you're figuring it out. Yeah, and um, it, it just it takes a while. And every time there's an adjustment with personnel, you you sometimes have to change plans on how you attack, and we've been able to do uh, keep the ball rolling here recently. So how does the offense change uh, with Jake as opposed to Mason? Is it is it as simple as he's got a bit of a stronger arm than Mason, or or how does that work? Well, there's more to it. You know, uh, Mason, he, he's got some mobility um, assets that he can utilize. And so, you know, we were – we were using him a little bit more out of the pocket and moving him around than we would with Jake. Jake can can move and he's uh, got some deceptive speed to him, but uh, um, you know we don't move him around in terms of uh, moving the pocket or getting him out of the pocket. And um, they both have good arms. Just uh, Jake sees some, some routes a little bit better than Mason um, just because of his height, and so you know you're able to uh, shift your your passing game a little bit more towards that. But you know more than anything. Uh, Jake is fairly new in terms of actual professional reps and experience, and so he's still learning and, and picking things up as we go, and there's still a learning curve there, but uh, he's, he's done well so far. So has he surprised you in any aspect about, you know, in a positive way, I mean? Um, not a lot. You know, we, we kind of knew what we had from day one. He performed well in training camp and in the preseason game, and, um, you know, he and he and Mason were really, really close once we broke training camp, and so, um, you know, we, we felt like we had a really strong quarterback room top to bottom, and, um, you know, because of the job kind of Jeremy O'Day and Kyle Carson did and putting that room together, um, you know, we've 
survived those injuries. Um, you know, we've plugged and played with a, a whole ton of offensive linemen. Um, you know, we, we've had a bunch of receivers come and go. So um, we've done a good job with the quality of depth. And, and um, you know, that's always important because these days it, you, you just can't get through a season with just one quarterback or sometimes even two. There's there's going to be turnover. I was here when Michael Bishop was the quarterback of the Rough Riders doing the sideline reports. And Michael had a strong arm, too, like Jake. But... Um, he, uh, uh, what's the best way of putting it? He was overconfident with that arm and it got him into trouble. I'm noticing Jake Dolagala isn't, you know, a lot, guys with big arms like that, sometimes they can think they can do anything with their arm. He's been, he's been real good. He hasn't hurt you guys. I like that. Yeah, you're right. It, you know, when you got that cannon, you want to show it off sometimes. And, uh, it, you're right. It can get you in trouble. Um, and, you know, Jake's probably maybe, uh, thing he needs to work on is, um, you know, just, just how we, throws with tempo you know sometimes you when you have a real short route you don't need a fastball you know you can mm-hmm. you can take some off and sometimes when you got to throw down the field uh it doesn't have to be a, a high arching ball you can you can take off some trajectory if the ball needs to be there a little bit quicker but uh he learns every day and, and he improves every day and he's he's really sharp and so um he's done well so far with that yeah for sure hey you used the uh, jabal morrow out of the backfield we've talked so much about well what's up with this running game and this it has i don't think it's been as bad as maybe people see it to be in certain situations short yardage maybe you've had some problems but what I liked is you got the ball out to Jamal Morrow in space and sometimes from the broadcast booth I call those extended runs they're almost like run plays I I, I really like what you did last week with him Jay Moore is an exceptional athlete. He really is. And uh, he's maybe the most complete back kind of I've, I've ever coached and, and maybe in the CFL. You know, there's guys who are great runners or sometimes, you know, great receivers. And, and he's all of it. Um, there's nothing he can't do. And so once we get him on the perimeter, um, we treat him like a receiver. You know, we don't really say there's routes that he can't run. We, we just we see that matchup. And if we've got him one-on-one with a linebacker, Gosh, we feel like we can win that, you know, 100 times out of 100. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Coach Jeffrey joining us here for a couple more minutes on this Friday show for Nelson Holmes. Uh, you, you have injury problems again on the offensive line. No Colin Kelly uh, and now Evan Johnson. So let's speak to the toughness of the Saskatchewan boy, Evan Johnson. Well, two Saskatchewan kids. Let's talk about Evan Johnson. He gutted through that game for you guys. Uh, obviously, he's not playing this week. That's going to hurt. But talk about his uh, character there. Yeah, and, and we've had a few of those situations where, um, you know, we've had to bump Logan Furlan out to a tackle mm-hmm. and, and Danny's come in on the interior. Uh, Evan this last week was, I mean, I, I don't, that, that's some toughness that's hard to find, you know, and, and he kind of, I think, looked around and, and probably thought, you know, if there was a backup, maybe I'd, I'd be out right now, but he just realized he couldn't do it. And I think with the momentum of the game and the crowd and being at home, um, you know, he, he had some adrenaline and could, could feel that, you know, if he was in there, um, you know, working hard and doing his best that, that we could win that game. And, uh, and so we needed him and, and man, he, he pushed through. That was, that was really cool. You mentioned the other local guy I wanted to touch on Logan Furlan bouncing out. It's nice to have a Swiss army knife like that. It is, and uh, he did. He did excellent out there. Like you know, um, as we got into those first couple of series, once we had some linemen move around, I, I kind of thought, okay, I'll, I'll 
call some safe conservative stuff here and let those guys get their feet wet. And, and after a series or two, I, I literally couldn't tell the difference between, um, you know, how we started and, and how we were after they came in. So I just, from there, just let it rip and, and, uh, continued to attack. And, um, man, he's been, he's been great out there and, um, he's, he's really, really talented. And, um, you know, he, he didn't just hold his own. He, he excelled out there. It was, it was great to see. Kelly, does the mentality, without giving too much away, does the mentality change here for this game tomorrow uh, in the sense that uh, you, you kind of have a thin offensive line? It's almost, well, from my standpoint, it's a little uneasy right now. Uh, I mean, not so much. You know, we dressed Albert Awachi just, uh, you know, and thinking we, we can run the ball a little bit more and, mm. uh, and, and really pound the pound the rock. So we'll have you know, two, three tight ends and some, some of our monster stuff where we bring in offensive linemen just to, just to control the run game a little bit more, take the crowd out of it some. But, uh, for the most part, um, he, he's got to do his job, you know, and, and, uh, we'll, we'll make sure that, uh, even though we've got some moving parts, um, for the most part, the, the game plan is going to stay the same. We're just going to run the ball a little bit more. I think you have an underrated defense. I also think you guys have a very underrated receiving core, especially since it wasn't the one you anticipated. Um, and, and so it's been really good. Akeen Schaefer Baker got on the map early with a touchdown in his first game back. Was kind of quiet last week. Was that more just what the defense was giving you, or is he still need a little bit of you know? He's got to get up to speed, right? It's not like he's. Uh, He's totally in game shape yet. I don't think. Well, yeah, I mean, and and I think um, after after playing a lot more this this last week, um, you know, his, his body felt it a little bit more. But um, yeah, him not getting the ball as much as last week was more just kind of the game flow and and what Jake was seeing out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but really he, he's an exceptional talent. I got to get him the ball. I just, I just got to find ways to create, um, you know, even in those moments where the ball's not finding him, I, I, whether it's just handing him the ball or throwing him a quick screen or something, uh, he's too dynamic not to, not to get more touches. And so, um, that's, that's really, um, and I told him that I said, I got to get you the ball. And, you know, he's, he's a great teammate and he says, ah, don't worry about it. I know that, you know, how it goes sometimes. And I said, you're being a good teammate. I get it. I just got to get you the ball, so we'll we'll work harder to see if we can't get him in the ball. I love your I love your accountability, coach. Do you go home and kick yourself sometimes after? Always, always. You know, you you come away and you have this. Uh, you know, it feels like historic victory and everything else, and you <laughs> go home and there's always those two three calls. You just you say, what was I doing? What was I thinking? And uh, and you try and work work to get better for the next time and um, and and hope you can. So then that's. That's the coaching life, you know. It's it's some sometimes the ones that get away are uh, the most devastating, and so um, yeah, I I still kick myself for sure, just like I'm sure the fans wish they could too. <laughs> you you're quickly understanding what it means to be the offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan. Lastly, uh, from your perspective, what's the vibe like with this team right now? Six and five after everything, and you're a legitimate Grey Cup contender. You're in the top four teams. Yeah, I, mean, I think the the vibe is great. Um, the guys are they're really pumped about that win. Um, I, I think uh, you know we we hit a bit of a rut, um, you know, a few weeks back where you know a lot of things were just I don't know. We we had some bad breaks. We had some injuries. Um, our game flow we we just weren't sharp, and um, we've really kind of caught our, our edge again. And we're we're playing more like we thought we would play coming out of training camp, and 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 that's that's big for us. And we've finally created a little bit of continuity with the receivers, um, and uh, it's 
you know, we'll keep pushing forward, but the vibe is, is excellent. Like, uh, I, I think everything there in front of us that we want is, is there for sure. Coach, enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks for taking time, and good luck tomorrow, okay? You bet. Thank you. You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Back inside the Sports Cage studios, I'm Blaine Wyland, downtown Regina, 1900 Rose Street. One-third of the triangle of terror, you could say, going on with today's sports cage, of course. Ballsy's out in Winnipeg ahead of tomorrow's Labor Day rematch between the Rough Riders and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And Zingers, he's dealing with another football rivalry of his own. Of course, the Huskies will take on the University of Regina Rams, and that game can be heard tonight on 620 CKRM, pregame show 630, opening kickoff at 7 o'clock. There's another football rivalry tomorrow night. It's the Thunder and the Hilltops, and on the other side of the... Later on this hour, I had a chance to talk with uh, Thunder wide receiver Isaiah Woodley, who practices with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And another installment this week, we got uh, a few of our favorite things this week's guests. Uh, later on this hour, we'll hear from A.J. Allen, but first off, we'll start off with number 51, the center of attention, the center of the offensive line for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber. All right, I'm joined with number 51 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Peter Godber. And Peter, to start off with, a few of your favorite things. First off, favorite number? Uh, 51, definitely. Obvious reasons, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's been my number since uh, since university, so it's definitely my favorite number. Favorite football memory? Oh, man, there's been a lot of great football memories. Um, you know... You're allowed multiple answers, too. Okay, so it, yeah, in college, there were some uh, really close games, some comeback wins, um, you know, big games we played in college, and then and then you get to the pros, and, uh, you know, winning my first CFL playoff game last year, that was pretty special. Um, you know, some of those games with Nathan Rourke where, you know, as a Canadian kid, you're uh, you're super proud to have played for a Canadian quarterback, and he's, he's breaking records, and you're protecting him, and some of those games were, were awesome as well. Um, so, yeah. Favorite football player growing up? Oh man, um, you know I don't want to say the the cliche easy answer, but but everyone I think looks up to Tom Brady just with his work ethic and everything like that. But uh, as far as CFL, I always looked up to uh, Van Zyl on the Ticast now because when I was in high school, I used to watch the Argos play, and uh, you know my dad really pointed him out and, and made sure to tell me that uh, we cheer for the lame, the Canadian lineman in our house. So, anyways, I'd probably say Van Zyl in the CFL growing up. Favorite team growing up, whether it's football or any other sports. Favorite team? I think that it was a for me it was the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, it was a favorite hockey team, and then growing up, my favorite football team was uh, the Toronto Argos. That was just the hometown team. Now they're one of my least favorite teams, but but growing up, I was you know born and raised in the city, used to watch the game, so that was that was probably my favorite team. Favorite sport other than football? You know, I was uh, I was telling Zach Fry the other day that I uh, I was a star basketball player in high school too. I played on the J- JV team and. Uh, I dominated. Zach Fry saw my highlights, but uh, yeah, some games I put up ten points, some play- games I put up zero points, and uh, I really was just more of a uh, intimidation kind of foul guy rather than a, a, a player. So, favorite TV show? Uh, favorite TV show? Uh, I'd say Sons of Anarchy. That that TV series is, is awesome. I loved every minute of that. Favorite movie? Favorite movie? You know, I don't really uh, I don't really enjoy watching movies at all. I actually hate movies, so I don't have a favorite movie. Favorite actor, then? Favorite actor. Do you have one, even? Um, no, not, not really. No favorite actor here. How about a favorite cartoon character? Okay, I got to go with Peter Griffin there. <laughs> 
How about favorite superhero? Favorite superhero? Um, probably Flash. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite CFL city to visit? Um, I would say uh, Toronto, just because that's where I'm from. I grew up, you know, going to games there, and all my family is able to come watch me play and stuff like that. How about favorite city outside of whether it's can outside of Canada, around the world? I really liked Houston. I lived in Houston for five years, and uh, the thing I liked the best about Houston was the food, the barbecue. I haven't found as good as barbecue anywhere else. So that's going to kind of lead to my next couple questions. First off, favorite food. Then. When you go to when you go to a good place in Houston, you get uh, beef brisket. And uh, you get the, the turkey and the chicken and the sausages and all that. I, I would just say barbecue is my favorite food. I also like Tex-Mex, Mexican food, uh, you know, kind of with a Texas style. Those, those are really good food in Houston. My next question is, what's your favorite thing to throw in the barbecue? Okay, my favorite is steak because I don't really know how to cook brisket or anything like that. Do you, do you have a smoker at all? No, I don't have a smoker. Um, just I have a barbecue back at home, but I've I just been cooking them in my stovetop now. you have a favorite pregame meal? Uh, just pasta, pasta and chicken. You got a favorite vehicle? Uh, definitely Honda CRV. It's uh, it's a great vehicle. It gets me from point A to point B, and it's good with gas. So I'd say that's my favorite vehicle. How about favorite hobby? Favorite hobby? Just uh, working out and playing football. Definitely not movies. <laughs> Watching film. Yeah. Are you into video games at all? So do you have a favorite one? Oh yeah, definitely Fortnite. Fortnite with the boys. There's nothing like it. Send send it with the boys. Uh, a little Fortnite, a little NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite holiday? Favorite holiday. Um, I think I think Christmas. I like Christmas. I know that's probably an answer everyone picks, but it's always a, a good time with a lot of family. Do you have a favorite scent in terms of like smell? Uh, probably Zach Fry. I love the way he smells. Sure helps. He's right beside your lockers. Right beside each other, eh? Oh, I'm I'm the luckiest guy in, on the team. You don't need an air freshener then, basically? No, he smells great. And, um, you know, he lets me sniff him all the time, so I'm, it's, I'm really lucky. Favorite time of day, whether it's morning, afternoon, or night? Um, nap time. <laughs> Mid-afternoon nap time is my favorite time of day. Do you got a favorite quote you like to draw back to? Um, I have a few favorite quotes. I'm not, I'm not sure if I can say them on the mic. but uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> favorite teammate to share a laugh with? Um... I really like messing with Logan Furla. You know, he's, he's a stallion. He's, like, built amazing, and, you know, he can do athletically things that none of us can, uh, so it's fun to kind of bring him down, back down to earth sometimes. And your favorite part about being a Rough Rider? Uh, the community, the fan base, um, how much everyone loves the team, and everyone wears uh, green. It's, everyone's so prideful about the riders. All right, well, thanks a lot, Peter. All right, thanks. I'm Blaine Wyland back inside the Sports Cage studio with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. Catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors, the garage door specialist. In about an hour's time, we're going to head up to Saskatoon to catch up with Zinger. Of course, tonight it's the University of Regina Rams squaring off with the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. That will be the Huskies' home opener. The Rams are coming off a tough loss against UBC last week, while the Huskies came from behind to defeat the University of Manitoba Bisons. Tomorrow, it's the Labor Day rematch. You can catch all the coverage here on 620 CKRM. 
Countdown, the kickoff begins at 11 o'clock. Opening kickoff with Ballsy and Luke Molnar is at 2 o'clock. The CFL's Week 14 is just getting underway in the nation's capitals. The Auto Red Blacks are taking on the Hamilton Tiger Cats before tomorrow's triple header. In the middle, of course, is that Labor Day rematch between the Riders and the Blue Bombers. Things get started off with the top two teams in the East, Montreal Toronto, and to close things off tomorrow, it's Calgary and Edmonton. On the ice, the Regina Pats are going to be an exhibition action tonight. When they take on the Brandon Weekings, their first preseason game, the two teams will meet tomorrow night in Brandon. And as well tomorrow night, on the gridiron, once again, another big rivalry matchup. It's the Regina Thunder hosting the Saskatoon Hilltops at Mosaic Stadium. And on the other side of the break, I had the chance to talk with Thunder receiver Isaiah Woodley. He practices during the day with the Riders, and then he practices at night with the Thunder. So I had a good chat with Woodley. That's on the way next here on the Sports Cage. Saskatchewan's best coverage of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders is on the Sports Cage, right here on the Mighty 620 CKRM. I'm joined with uh, wide receiver on the Riders by day, I guess by night with Regina Thunder, Isaiah Woodley, and it's kind of like the football dream, you know, as you are practicing during the day with the professionals and hitting up with your junior team at night. Yeah, it's been great. It's been a great learning experience for me to get to learn here from these guys that, you know, obviously some of them been in NFL programs, some of them been at very good colleges, and then being able to take it back to not only just for me, but my teammates as well. Different moves, different identifying different coverages, just very football savvy plays has definitely been a great experience for me so far. Moves, coverage, is there anything else you kind of pick up from these guys, whether it's even just a day-to-day habits? Oh yeah, just, just on how to be a pro, just how to take care of your body, really, how to manage your time, you know, watching film, doing the little stuff that gets you to the next level. I think that's been that's been the the best part for me you know the day-to-day seeing them how they prepare for games even big games how they prepare all week you know taking care of your body like I said like doing the little things that ultimately bring you to get the big ones in in big times so for that you notice a difference like after you practice with the Rough Riders during the day you notice anything does the game slow down at all when you practice at night with the Thunder yeah absolutely it definitely I'm, I'm able to identify coverages I'm able to you know when I see for example, like if the safety comes down, I know I'm getting a zero look. I'm able to exploit the coverages I'm able to see. And it's like last year, I know I was able to see it, but this year I'm definitely able to see, you know, watching a lot of films, seeing three man, seeing three hold, then seeing zero. I'm able to identify coverages way easier. Of course, you're in the midst of the season with the Thunder. How do you feel things are going for yourself so far this year? Uh, as a team, I feel like we're doing great individually. For me, I'm just getting better every day. I'm trying to take it one day at a time, and I'm, you know, focused on not only winning, but winning at a good rate and bringing everyone else with me, trying to make sure all my teammates are successful and in the right places at the right times. Are there particular things that you look to work on in practice during the week, whether it's with the Riders or the Thunder? Oh, absolutely. Running routes for me, especially. I want to make sure all my routes look the exact same you know I don't want anyone to be able to look at me and be like oh yeah he's not going full speed because at the end of the day my speed is what carries me so running my routes um getting in the film room actually seeing who I'm playing as for me with the thunder I get into the film every day after practice just so I can see the team I'm playing so I can exploit the coverages when it when the game time comes you must be really one that hates blue and gold obviously the riders with the, the blue bombers and of course big rivalry game this week for the thunder against the hilltops it's a kind of the similar feel with you feel with uh, the two teams so even at the different levels absolutely uh when there's a rivalry no matter what it is it's, it's a rivalry there's definitely you know both teams want to win both teams have successful programs so we're just going to do what we got to do to get to ultimately come out on top and you know go through practices to do the right things to get ultimately the great results that we want 
in terms of playing, what's it like playing out in the Mosaic Stadium? Of course, he's usually playing in Libel Field, but what's it like playing these rare games out of Mosaic? There's nothing like it. When you walk out into the field and you see like the big stadium, for me, um, my first year here, 2021, is when I scored my first touchdown, and it was the game winning touchdown against the Hilltop. So when I play in that stadium, I definitely feel like a pro, and it's, it's, it's an honor to even be able to play there for our big game. So it's definitely, definitely an honor to play in the stadium. Obviously a tough loss to end the season here in the Canadian Bowl. Did it kind of, after a little bit, fuel the fire for the offseason? Oh, yeah. As soon as, after, right after the game, it fueled the, fueled the fire. There was no, like, for me especially, there was no off time. It was straight back to work because, you know, you, you grind for those moments. And when, when it's that close and such a short number, like three points, it, it's never a good feeling. So as soon as that game happened, I went home, got right back to it, right back to working out, right back to, <laughs> right back to working out, right back to doing everything. Because at the end of the, at the end of the season, that's my ultimate goal is to give the Thunder and my team a great chance to be in a su- successful program so we can win that game. You got any particular goals other than the team goal you just mentioned, but particular goals for, as an individual? Uh, yeah, my particular goals are to, I know when I came up here, it was to ultimately win a championship and it was to play pro. That was my ultimate goal, get a chance to play pro. At the end of the day, that's what I ultimately came back into the football world for was just to play pro, be able to put my family in a good position financially, no matter what it is, if I can just help them all the time. So that's my, that was my ultimate goal. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Isaiah. Thank you so much. And that's Isaiah Woodley, a player I had the chance to talk to. Of course, he practices with the Rough Riders. He's one of three uh, Thunder players that's on the uh, Rough Riders practice squad. And then at night, they practice with their regular team, the Thunder. And it's a big matchup at Mosaic Stadium tomorrow night between the Thunder and the Saskatoon Hilltop. So it's capping off a big weekend on the gridiron, especially with uh, rivalries. The Rough Riders are taking on the Blue Bombers tomorrow in the Labor Day rematch. And as well, later on tonight, we got the Rams and the Huskies here on 620 CKRM. And of course, uh, the Rough Riders' big matchup tomorrow. It's a heated rivalry, but back onto the lighter side of things. I had a chance to talk with linebacker for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, AJ Allen, and learn about a few of his favorite things. All right, I'm joined with number 32 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, AJ Allen. And AJ, to start off with, favorite things. So we'll start off with your favorite number. My favorite number is actually 52. Um, five times, yeah, five times two, uh, 52. My roommate died uh, December 10th, so that's why I like the number 10. But if I can't get 10, it's going 52. Favorite football memory? Uh, favorite football memory. Ooh. That's a good one. Um, I think so far I have to be a touchdown. I scored in university uh, versus Carlton. Uh, I caught uh, like an interception for a touchdown. I think that's my favorite one so far. Just celebrating with my teammates. That was a great one right there. Nothing wrong with a pick six from a linebacker. How about your favorite football player growing up? Favorite football player growing up was Vaughn Miller. Um, you know, not a traditional linebacker, but I, I liked uh, I liked his glasses. I liked it kind of fit mine. Um, I liked how he could. Uh, he wasn't the biggest linebacker out there, but he was still playing um, at a high level. And uh, I thought it was real cool, man. So Vaughn Miller. Favorite team growing up? Still now, Tennessee Titans. Uh, I'm a Titan fan through and through. Um, Titan up. <laughs> um, I saw them. When I was first starting to get, get into football, um, I saw them with those baby blue jerseys and fell in love ever since then. And then you saw Chris Johnson and Vince Young back there, and now that was my team ever since then. Favorite sport other than football? Basketball. Huge basketball fan. Um, I love to hoop. Um, and other than basketball, volleyball. I, I really love playing volleyball. My sister plays volleyball in the States. Uh, she's a D1 athlete as well. Um, so those are, my, those are my top ones. Favorite TV show? Uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Uh, Boondocks, 
Um, and uh, Suits. Those are my top three right there. Favorite movie? Remember the Titans? Uh, Coach Carter. And um, I really like Rush Hour, man. I think it's so funny. I was going to yeah. say, there was a common theme, but then you bumped out a little bit. <laughs> I, don't, I, like, I like the comedies as well. Rush Hour is a great one. How about favorite actor? Um, Denzel or Will Smith. Those are, those are my top two right there. If, if, if you're asking me who, who's going to play me in a movie, I'm going to pick Will Smith. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, both, both are great options. How about favorite actress? Oh. Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie. I'm not going to explain it any further. I yeah, no, 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 no explanation needed. I put the, I would put the same thing. Uh, favorite cartoon character? Um, oh, that's a good one. Favorite cartoon character? Oh, that's a good one. I want to say, like, we're talking like any animated character at all? Okay. Um... I'm gonna say Huey off of Boondocks. Uh, I don't. I don't think it's gonna be a popular one, but he's just a very funny character. He's just a very funny character. How about favorite superhero? Uh, Black Panther. Black Panther is my favorite superhero. Uh, you know, uh, Wakanda Forever. You know, T'Challa. Uh, R.I.P. Um, for sure. He's uh, he's he's an idol for me. Favorite CFL city to visit? Um, love going back home. So like Hamilton, Toronto. Um, to see my family and friends. Um, but outside of, you know, that aspect, uh, I go BC. I like visiting BC. It's a nice city, especially because, like, outside of this, opp- this, this opportunity that I had to play football, I probably would have never gone there. So um, BC, is, BC is the one for me. And in ter- how about a favorite city outside of, it could be anywhere in the world, whether it's Canada, United States, anywhere? Um, Jamaica, uh, Montego Bay, or Kingston, one of the two. Um, I'm Jamaican, so I, I, I'm a partial of that. But the culture, the food. Um, the people, the energy, um, yeah, that'd be that's my favorite one right there. Favorite food? Um, jerk chicken with some rice and peas on the side. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's the one. That's the one for me. I'm a, I'm a huge rice and chicken guy. I was gonna ask, what's your favorite thing to put on the barbecue? Oh, you know what? I can't, I can't barbecue. Um, no, it's a, it's a skill I need to learn. Um, but I'm not a. <laughs> don't don't put me on there yet. I need time and practice. <laughs> if anyone's teaching classes, uh, I'll sign up. Uh, but yeah, I need I need to work on that skill. Yep. How about a favorite pregame meal? Um, if it's in the morning, I'm gonna go with um, scrambled eggs and a grilled cheese sandwich. I like that one. Um, if it's in like the like the afternoon, uh, I like some pasta. I like some pasta. Just uh, load me up a little bit so I'm not hungry throughout the game. How about favorite hobby? Oh, video games. I'm a huge gamer nerd. Um, right now, actually, though, um, I'm actually playing chess. Uh, I like playing chess. So I'm, I'm playing chess with my, my with Matt Dean here or, or the computer, which, whichever one's available. Um, but normally, it's, uh, it's video games. Well, leads in perfectly to my next question. Favorite video game? Um, Madden or Call of Duty. Um, I've been a, I like the first-person shooters. I've liked them ever since I was growing up. Um, I'm pretty good at them. And... Uh, that's pretty it. And I like Madden because um, the, the competitive edge, it's like a little chess game, the same way football is. So um, those two are my two favorite. Favorite time of day, so morning, afternoon, or night? Uh, afternoon, middle of the day is my favorite time of day. Uh, it's when I have the most energy, when you can do the most. Um, you know, nowhere's closed for the most part. Uh, the weather's usually the best. Uh, yeah, I'll go, I'll go afternoon. You got a favorite animal? Uh, do I have a favorite animal? I don't want to go with like a typical, you know, lion or tiger. Um, oh, 
I'll go crocodile just because. Yeah, why not? They live on land and water. I don't live on land and water. <laughs> but um, why not? They said cool. Do you have a favorite quote that you like to refer back to? Uh, yes. Uh, I'd rather prove myself right than prove other people wrong. If you're trying to prove everybody else wrong, you'll be here all day. And you got a favorite teammate you like to share a laugh with? Uh, my favorite team I like to share a laugh with is uh, is is Dalkey. Jane Dalkey is my favorite teammate to have a laugh with. That's my guy. And same with Nelly too. Nelson Lacombo. Those are my those are my guys right there. And what's the, what's your favorite part about being a rough rider? Um, Rider Nation is my favorite part of being a Rough Rider. Um, that's everybody included. That's uh, these teammates, uh, the coaches, the organization, and the fans, man, and, uh, and the city as well. Um, I think this place does a great job of, of treating people correctly um, with respect and dignity, and um, it gives you something to be prideful for. So that's my favorite part, Rider Nation. All right, well, thanks a lot, AJ. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, that's linebacker A.J. Allen. A few of his favorite things, kind of on the lighter side of things, before the Rough Riders and the Blue Bombers hook up in what's going to be a heated rivalry matchup tomorrow at IG Field in Winnipeg. Of course, we got coverage here on 620 CKRM. Countdown to kickoff begins at 11 o'clock. Balls in Luke Mulder will have the opening kickoff at 2 o'clock. Part of a triple header in the CFL tomorrow. Montreal Toronto get the things started in the morning. And then it's another Labor Day rematch to cap things off. Calgary and Edmonton. A quick update in the first matchup of Week 14. Hamilton and Ottawa. That game is scoreless in the first quarter. As we wrap things up here on the Sports Cage Friday's edition, we're going to go back to a Sports Cage Rewind with Ballsy as he talks with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. Calling all diehard fans. The Rough Rider and Children's Hospital Foundation's lottery early bonus deadline is midnight tonight. Score big with the ultimate fan tailgate prize, a GMC Sierra and Rider season tickets, or take 85,000 cash. There's over 1,000 prizes, including 10 grand prizes, and your best chance to win $1 million. Hurry, the early bonus deadline is midnight tonight. Help Saskatchewan kids. Get your tickets at riderschildrenslottery.ca. Lottery license LR230030. Please play responsibly. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the Mighty 620 CKRM. Well, each week here on the Sports Cage, we have a, we have a plethora of guests, man. Too many to count. So we have more than enough to choose from in this segment we call the Sports Cage Rewind, where we go back and take a great interview from the week and replay it for you. I know you can get it in podcast for, but some people don't podcast. They just uh, listen to the radio old school. Remember, you can get us at 620 CKRM, the app. You can get us anywhere. But yes, we're on the regular airwaves. Anyway, each Wednesday, we catch up with the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays, Ben Wagner. I caught up with him right after their afternoon live to the Oakland Athletics, who should be a free space in the bingo card. I'll say this. You know, the pitching was, pitching gave up five runs, but the pitching was not really the end-all, be-all. The offense, again, took a couple of steps back from pitching that should have been, from an athletic standpoint, something that the Blue Jays thrived on. Um, It was a pretty good ball game. You know what? It was a pretty good ball game. But missed opportunities for the Blue Jays. Again, kind of reared their ugly hit today. But John Schneider, I read the quote after the ball game, said, you know what, you win a series, you're still in really good position. Your percentage points within a playoff spot, now you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching. And if you know if the Astros continue to play the way that the Astros are, plus the, the Rangers are sliding, Blue Jays feel like they're in a really good position. Yeah, I think uh, the last 12, I counted quickly, they were 7-5 and five after today's loss, but you've got the Royals on deck and then a big one versus the Rangers, so everything is still in your hands right now. 
Yeah, you know, you know what? But it's and I and I see that I, I looked and I identified this this Rangers series as being so important. But if you're a really good team, if you're a really like elite team that should contend, where people forecasted you to be. You look at series and you take advantage in series. And mm-hmm. the Blue Jays found themselves in this light pocket. Washington Nationals, Colorado Rockies, Oakland Athletics. Three of the worst pitching staffs in the big leagues. And you've got the fourth worst of this this little pocket as well. All in a row. This never happens. This never, <laughs> ever, ever happens. And, I, and I'm, a big, I'm a big fan of it. It's not who you play. It's when you play them. And... The Blue Jays should have been able to take advantage, like sweep a series here or there. Yeah, weren't able to do it, and, and that's that's really the downside from a Blue Jay standpoint. That it really feels like a missed opportunity. And you can look at postseason projections here, and we're going to ride the roller coaster all the way through this every twenty four hours that the projections come out because it's going to be maybe a thirty percent swing from the Blue Jays have a thirty eight percent chance of making the postseason to a sixty eight percent chance of making the postseason just with one win or one loss. Um, it just feels like it feels like this is the window where the Blue Jays should make up a lot of ground. And taking two out of three, I don't know, is going to be enough when all things are said and done to be actually the things that will get it done. Hey, I know you have a love for this game, a long-time love, bouncing around the minors. Now you get to be the voice of a professional team. Does it bother you at all that a team like the Oakland A's, probably, most likely, 90%, they won't be in Oakland? Yeah, it does. You know why? Because this is orchestrated. This isn't the fault um, of players. This wasn't the fault of misfortune. This wasn't the fault of something economically within a region. And, you know, look at the history of, I'll use a place where I I worked for a really long time. I worked in Buffalo, New York for a really, really long time. Mm -hmm. And that was a boomtown. That was a Rust Belt city. That was a city that was driven on commerce by the Great Lakes. And that was a a growing market that positions itself in the 80s to get in even the conversation of Major League Baseball expansion. Put in a bid in 1986-87, built a ballpark that was revolutionary, and actually that was the blueprint that Camden Yards and other Major League venues were actually sculpted after. So, you know, but Buffalo stopped growing because... The economics changed around Buffalo. That's not the fault of that's not the fault of the Buffalo Bidens. That's not the fault of ownership. That's just the change in in the economic structure. Oakland orchestrated this. Ownership orchestrated this. And Major League Baseball, as we've seen, kind of encourages these these shifts. If there are growing markets or bigger opportunities elsewhere, to really strip down uh, what is, in, in my opinion one of the great franchises in Major League Baseball history. You know, the the logo, the color scheme, and as they say, rooted in Oakland, right? Uh, there are some detractors. I'm not going to lie. The, the ballpark is absolutely terrible. Uh, I visited it and called games there. I've talked with players about it. Chris Bassett and Matt Chapman will be endless, endless uh, sources, you know, about the detractors, even from a home standpoint. But there were there are upgraded need upgrades needed, but other teams have figured it out. You know, with supportive ownership and Major League Baseball with that ownership saying, "Do you want to stay here?" So I'm really disappointed in the way things things have gone because this is a team that's not too far removed from one being really competitive with really good players, uh, good prospects, and wins. This is this was a playoff team. 
for a number of years. So, yeah, I, I'm really disappointed on how all this has unfolded. And as a fan of baseball and somebody that, that tracks this, you know, yeah. I certainly feel the pain that that many of those fans that we see chanting in the background feel. Ben, I got about a minute left. I want to get your thoughts. I'm a disappointed Padres fan, as I should be, and we just talked about Oakland. Their longtime manager was Bob Melvin. He was eating Kraft dinner, and now he gets to go eat filet mignon, and it turns out to be the worst Kraft dinner you could ever eat. Like, I I hope they don't get rid of this guy. Like, this guy, am I wrong? Like, I think he's one of the most respected, best managers in baseball. Just didn't work out this year. Yeah, I don't think it worked out. You know what? And the dynamic in the clubhouse, the the atmosphere, a lot of it, the onus is on the players. Like They have to steer the ship. There has to be a, an amount of policing within the clubhouse where the players have accountability. While so much of the public figure and the, the public voice is the manager, at the end of the day, it's got to be the players that are held accountable. And we see it with the Blue Jays, right? The failures are not on the manager offensively with the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, Bob Melvin is certainly not somebody that is green in his baseball acumen and overmatched by this job. He's handled superstars before. He's he's managed young bullpens, old bullpens, veteran starters. Chris Bassett, I, I heard an interview with Chris Bassett. He credited Bob Melvin for saving his career coming off the of Topping John. So that that to me just tells you right up front how important you know the personality is within the room. So for the San Diego Padres, I think they have to look in the mirror. They don't have to look at, you know, in the manager's office. I think you have to look in the mirror and figure out, all right, who's going to be the alpha male in the room? Who's going to hold other players accountable? And who's going to make things happen from a Padre perspective if they want to turn it around? Thanks for this, man. It's always great talking to you. Enjoy the upcoming baseball. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great month of baseball. Hold on tight.